Welcome to another episode of the SaaScast, the show that flips the traditional podcast format on its head. Here we have a simple rule, one question, one answer from some of the biggest names in the SaaS world. Today, we're thrilled to have the founder of Carbride on the show. They're an enterprise class security platform that makes it easy to embed security and privacy into the DNA of every organization. It's a big mission, a big vision. Darren, it's great to have you uh, join us on the show today. Uh, You've built an incredible business in a really regulated, competitive, and hard to navigate sector. So I'd love to begin by hearing a little bit about yourself and uh, your journey building the company so far. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me on the show. Glad to be here. So yeah, um, I've got, I think, maybe a little less than traditional history in terms of how I got into building a cybersecurity company. I started my career as a musician in my early 20s. That transitioned to being a a recording engineer and producer, in other words, sort of migrating from being on the road and playing live a lot to actually working with other artists and helping them build their recordings. That evolved into effectively really just doing that full-time, which turned into me starting my own label with a partner down in New York. We ended up becoming distributed in EMI uh, with EMI Canada and, and a few other labels in other countries in the world. And of course, the music industry really got hit pretty hard in mid-2000s and, and certainly again then in 2007 as the economic downturn. We had Napster rolling out. The value of records really took a, a, a spin down the toilet bowl. And uh, our, our partners, our record partners, you know, just the whole environment changed. I didn't really see how I was going to make my original business plan operate. Things weren't going super well. And uh, we were doing a lot of cool stuff with technology as a record label that I think was pretty pretty odd at that time, like going back to 2005, 2006, 2007. Like we were using Basecamp very, uh, very oh, wow. seriously back in the, back in the day. Uh, you know, people weren't using the word cloud and, and SaaS was not a very common thing. People would ask like, is the data it's like uh, it's in a server in another state somewhere um you know in a time where a or lot of in people this are, room beside me or in this room beside me in this <laughs> server under my bed no um, yeah exactly and so that was really cool like like for me like music really brought me to to technology because when i started getting into producing music this was really at the point where a lot of people were making that transition from the analog you know tape recordings and stuff to to doing things digitally, and 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 I love the digital the digital recording and being the type of person that like I didn't want to use a computer unless I understood the computer. So it really brought me like deep into the tech behind the tech, and so yeah, and 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 as a label, we love trying to figure out new ways of doing things, and we were really obsessed with with like SaaS type technology and you know really leveraging that. So um you know as i was kind of seeing the demise of the record industry and really questioning my life decisions around starting a record label we had this great idea around like what if we sold technology specific like you know and initially it was like well basecamp is kind of a generic sort of like uh platform right it's not really specifically made for um you know any type of agency in fact if anything it was more like an agency doing like design shop or stuff like that so we were kind of like using it a bit of a context so had this idea of building a platform with that sort of idea of, of of making things more efficient for the music industry and where we really focused was in the music festival space because we felt like just the logistics of putting on a festival you've got like a whole year to plan a festival and then everything happens in three days and it's absolute chaos all the time no matter how organized the festival may or may not be 
And it was, you know, we, 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 it was a niche product in a very niche industry. Um, you know, we didn't raise a lot of capital. It wasn't really a venture backable business. So we didn't really take any like traditional institutional capital per se. Um, but we built a profitable business and, you know, by, by 2015, 2016, we were being used by Coachella and Burning Man and Bonnaroo and, and other cultural events like Just for Laughs and even some sporting events like X Games. And you know, we were, it was it was a really wild ride. But what we noticed is as we got into the later stage of that business and 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 our feature set started requiring us to store process addition um, like more information, a lot of confidential information. As we started working with enterprise organizations like Disney and Live Nation and AEG, the security requirements and concerns that they had started to mature pretty quickly. And that put a lot of pressure on us. So we were really getting forced to um, tighten up our security from confidentiality, from integrity and availability perspective. We had to go through a SOC 2. I think we did that in 2015. We ended up being an ISO program, in effect. And near the end, before that company was acquired, it was right on the onset of GDPR. And so we had to go through the process of navigating GDPR because we had, we had, we were in 23 different countries around the world. A lot of them were in Europe. So, you know, just like that's how I got introduced to security. And for us, it quite frankly, just really became something that initially was a pain in the ass. And then it was something that we figured out a really good way to do an actual strong security program. We started to take it very seriously. But then we even saw it as a competitive advantage towards some of the little ankle biter competitors that were popping up in the market that didn't have the insight on how important the trust element was becoming. And we doubled down on it. I ended up doing a CISSP certification and you know, we ended up really, really tightened up. We built a really awesome security report and like trust report and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and this was this was when a lot of companies, certainly the SaaS companies, weren't really taking this stuff seriously. So that's how I kind of navigated from from being a, a musician to a music entrepreneur to a music tech entrepreneur. And then, of course, you know, uh, it was kind of I was looking for something bigger. I wanted to build a bigger company in a bigger space, and I really saw the writing on the wall in terms of what the impacts of all these data privacy regulations, seeing the increase in the velocity of increase in the the hacking world. Like it's it's effectively was becoming the new go-to, you know, money grab in the black market for illegal activity. You're less likely to get caught uh, hacking some business with a crypto locker than you were trying to cross the border with a bunch of bags of cocaine in your in your luggage. So it it just became a really obvious scenario that, wow, hackers are making money, everybody's moving to cloud. Every you know this 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 is all going to happen, and then regulation is going to jump in, and everybody's going to get reactive, and then trust is going to be the big thing. And of course, you know I got that part right. Uh, we're definitely seeing that in the world, but you know that's how I went from uh, from from playing drums in a in a in a band to uh, being the CEO of a cybersecurity data privacy company. I I love it. It it's uh, both creative and and. Uh an element of high regulation and selling into uh, a core area of, uh, of a business around security is not an easy thing. So I'm sure the showmanship and, and all your years spent in, in music, learning about the art of performance and storytelling really helped humanize yep. um, an area as uh, it's hard to talk about, right? Because again, if you're talking about security, it's either something happened uh, in most cases or uh, you're trying to decide what to do after it's happened. And, uh, and maybe that alludes to, to the, the, the question that I have for you. There's like this, you know, big debate uh, in tech circles. And I, I'll even say by the role in which you ask within the tech community, whether you, you integrate and embed security 
first or is security an afterthought? And so, you know, from your experience, someone that's lived this day in and day out, uh, what are each approach's inherent risks and, and rewards from your perspective? Yeah, I would say, first of all, that most SaaS companies think about it as an after effect. It's yeah, like build for sure. Something. Yeah. And the mentality always has been like build quick, build it fast, MVP, just get, yeah. get stuff out there, prove the concept, like, and then clean up yep. the mess later. Uh, so I get, I get that mentality. And, and that's certainly what I did in my last company. Um, the challenge with that, and this was a challenge that, that, that cost us heavily in my last company. So if you spend five or six years building technology and you build it in a not so secure way, you make really not necessarily the best architectural decisions or product decisions or how you go about things. And you're totally oblivious to data security, data privacy. You, you can certainly end up in a situation that um, where it's not going to be just flick a few switches to solve the problem. And that was certainly what happened with us in our last company. Like when we were, I remember we got our first pen test and there was a lot of findings. Now I will say like the quality of most modern dev stacks nowadays, like there's a lot of stuff that can be baked in the box, depending on how you build your tech stack and whatnot. Back in 08, now 2010, 2011, there was very little coming out of the box for you. You were really kind of left to your own resources, certainly on the security side. So but we had, that, and that was the problem we ran into. We, we had a lot of challenges in our application from a security perspective that required us to build things over and, and upgrade things and change the way we we're doing things. So we ended up in a period of time of about six to eight months where we, we really didn't have the resources to spend on increasing, you know, improving features and, and doing what customers are requesting us to do. We had to do all the stuff that they can't see that we needed to do to make sure that we were not exposing them, right? So. So that's the that's the big downside of of bolting it on after the fact. The other big downside of doing that is when you go into uh, when you go in looking for those first customers, like when you're not thinking about security and it's obvious and you don't have the know that you don't have the knowledge to talk about it, you're starting a conversation off. You're already starting the conversation off with a low trust score because it's like, who are you? You're a new company. You don't really have customers. You don't really have revenue, right? You're already to leap of faith to get somebody to trust you, but Going in there with without having sophistication around your ability to, to to respond to questions about data security and architectural security, or your application, your software, etc., it's not a great look. And and it's and it's more and more of a thing. And we hear the term now more and more often about security and privacy by design and by default. So you know, I would argue, and you know, we still see this all the time. I would argue that yes, I mean, I get it. You need to move quick, but I would say you, you don't have to do. You have to build the the, the top secure application from day one. I'm not saying that, but if you can just have some lunch and learns about security and set some some pretty high level policies or standards that you you operate on, um, you know it's and and the accessibility of sort of tool tool is now like you can get you can get vulnerability scanners for next to nothing that are pretty high quality that can stand scan externally or credential wise yeah. just to like you know put that in part of your testing. Think about security and privacy when you're scoping new features. Like it's amazing. Like you know, see people like, hey, we launched this new feature. It's like, holy shit! Do you realize the exposure that this new feature? Like now you're gonna, you went from storing this class of confidentiality to like now you're gonna, now you're talking like you're gonna turn this on and all your customers are gonna ideally jump for this product. But like, look at the exposure you're creating, right? So did you think about that? Did you did you look at that from a security perspective? And so so yeah, I mean, I I think the learnings, the lunch and learns. 
adopting some some coding best practices, some some cloud configuration best practices, getting into the habit of keeping your dev stack up to date. Don't allow things to lapse to the point where, you know, oh, we haven't done an update in a year and now we can't just do an update. There's things we have to, you know, there's there's actual work involved in modifying the way things work or changing some code to do that. So so I would argue like, you know, I would argue that having some degree of security thoughtfulness and education from day one is 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 gonna in the mid to long term help you speed up. And then the other factor that I would think about in terms of how far you go with that is like from the customer that you're you're proposing you're going to sell to and what you're going to do from them, how are they going to look at you from a risk perspective? Because that's also going to determine the degree of, you know, how lenient they may or may not be in terms of your security posture. If you're a low risk vendor, just by the nature of the amount of data or the degree of integrity requirement or or availability required, if you're a lower risk vendor, then the, the the questions are and then the the degree at which they'll look at your security posture is going to be different than if you're you know you're going to be connecting to a to a bank in America and you're going to instantly have you know millions of records and things like that right so um, you know look understanding what your customer's expectation is and understand how they're going to look at you selling your ideal you know positioning yourself in their business how are they going to look at that from a from a from a supply chain risk perspective yeah I I uh... It's it's always a hard debate, and and I think you've really articulated both both sides of it. Uh, and I really actually uh, the one that you just mentioned about target market was the one that was always top of mind. It's like no nothing worse than getting to the, almost to the finish line of a deal to find out you didn't make it because of a a security or the infrastructure provider that you chose. Um, one other quick question for you: Where do you see more risk? Do you see it on the infrastructure side, or do you see it on the application? level side, if you were to, to out of a hundred, what would be the, uh, the delineation between the two? Yeah. I, I mean, the way I look at risk, generally speaking is like, you're really only as good as your weakest link. So I think it depends, like it depends on the type of application and, and what that stack looks like. Um, I mean, on an infrastructure side, like I think it's wise, very wise to pick your infrastructure very wisely because you can get wins, like you can actually take components of the equation and defer that off and not worry about that. Well, you know, you still have to do your vendor due diligence on the vendor. You have to make sure that you're using the toolage properly. But like I always tell people, like when you're, when you're partnering with infrastructure, like look at their shared security, look at their shared responsibility model. Like what are you, what are you getting here from a security perspective? And, and, you know, and then that kind of, that, that gives you the opportunity to take certain components of this. And push that off to the to the to the infra, to the to the companies that you're you're partnering with, and then at least understand what your responsibility is on the infrastructure. So you know, failed infrastructure, poor infrastructure security can can result in serious data breaches, but so can crappy code or poor testing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. They're they're equally uh, as important. I think from my experience, I've kind of found the the cobbler's shoes for a SaaS company in many ways is the is the infrastructure just by design. To your point move fast, uh, find product yeah. market fit, ship as many MVPs as possible. Uh, but then there's always this inflection point and, and, and it's hard to equate whether or not doing it before or after is, is, is right. It's just, if you're going to be in that scale up phase, there's nothing worse than putting in a fire that's distracting you from the next big opportunity that you should be focused on. Uh, I think, I think there's a hybrid, like, and it comes back to like, again, understanding what the expectations are, understanding (laughs) what the bar needs to look like, and then just pick, 
making a conscious decision of, okay, well, mm. we're going to do this now. Like, let's make sure we follow, mm. you know, follow good coding practices. Let's make sure that we make good infrastructural decisions. Let's make sure we architect intelligently and be mindful. And and you can still de- decide, hey, maybe there's a certain component of, of where ideally we want to be from a security perspective that we are going to put off. But when you just ignore, kind of naively <laughs> ignore the whole topic, you don't really uh-huh. know what you don't know what you don't know, and so like if you end up in the situation like we did at that time, where we had a, we are in a situation where we had a lot of customers asking for a lot of things, and it was an ideal time for us to be shipping features. We weren't shipping features; we were shipping things that were invisible to the customer, but that were critical yeah. for us to get the security clearance or security, uh, you know, the security posture in terms of the application infrastructure that we needed. Yeah. Um- and again, I think this, like, if you think about the investment, right, it, it's another core reason to believe uh, for your organization, right? Postures you differently, definitely builds trust and credibility to anchors for any, uh, you know, new client that's going to join your company, investors, all of those types of different modalities. Um, final question, you know, with organizations like MedStack, right, that offer HIPAA compliant environments, and, you know, I'm sure there's more that are out there that are similar in nature, they've found you know, a niche, which, you know, there's a whole bunch of health tech companies that are sprouting up and HIPAA is hard to get compliance. So we'll just, you know, build a solution on top of Azure, charge a premium. And in a day you can be HIPAA compliant. What's your thoughts on, you know, tools and platforms that get you there really quickly, uh, but may cost you more in the end? I don't know. What what are your thoughts on it? Well, I mean, the first side of it is when you look at something like HIPAA, for example, Okay. The security rule is one of the rules, but there's a lot of other components. And now what I find, you know, some of the challenges I find, and, and we've dealt with companies that are on various different platforms where the platform is like, hey, this is going to get you compliant. This is going to get you compliant. And we're, you know, this tool is going to do the hard parts. And it's like, well, what concerns me there is sometimes there's some snake oil there because the reality is, is, well, it's not always the infrastructure that's the hard part. It really depends on what you're building, how you're building it. There's also a lot of administrative control requirements and there's a lot of process and there's a lot of educational requirements. So, you know, I, I, I think the reality is, yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely these, these tools out there that can help. And again, it comes back to what we said earlier, like if there's parts of this equation that you can offload to a vendor, then, then that is going to be beneficial for you in all likelihood, you know, to some point, there may be a point where there may be a point in scale in your business where where you know you're going to want to have more control over the situation but there's more to it than that like sometimes I'm you know we work with customers they're they're surprised like they throw their 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 CTO in there and then it's like well uh we're going to have to there's all the stuff you need to do this related to governance there's all the stuff you need to do related to privacy there's all the stuff you need to do related like policies and procedures and controls and control mapping there's a lot of HR onboarding and offboarding and awareness training and there's just a lot of things. There's 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 a lot of things you need to put in place that aren't really that technical, and you know sometimes people are like, well, you know what? Why are why are we doing all this? Well, because you have to, right? Like, what's the point yeah, of having? A good there's obviously some space? business value, right? Whether that's unlocking your next client or protecting your business against uh, threat and 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 risk. I think those are the apparent ones. I think it. I, actually, that's a great point. Knowing investing into a, a platform like this, what's the return on investment? Um, you know, what do people see from, from investing into a, into your platform? You know, those that are kind of doing it first, 
if if you have any of those use cases. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, when I when I see companies come to us that have a plot where they have a, a platform or an architecture solution where you know they don't have to go through and, and manage all that configuration, uh-huh. it's it's certainly you know it, it's beneficial to us and in, in, in one sense because it means well we're not gonna you know we're not gonna have to help them with that problem and yeah and if they've, they've chose their vendor well that's one box you know uh, that that we hope hope is checked um, we still need the but. But unfortunately, a lot of times they're they're not. So it's like, well, you still need to code securely. You still need to test your code. You still need to, you know, and 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 that's you know, there's so there's still work to be done. And I think, you know, the value proposition that I that I feel that that our customers experience is as they're going through their journey, growing their customer base, maybe moving up market or just expanding both the feature set and the customer profile. Is that as more and more standards and, and more requirements come down the pipeline, what, what we're able to do with them is give them a single set of policies, a single set of controls that that map across a variety of data privacy regulations and a lot of security standards and frameworks. So, so they can they can very quickly analyze their posture compared to whatever benchmark is critical for that particular customer, and and you know where the efficiency comes is having segregated programs like that that that's not really manageable like it it's it's likely if you're let's say you start selling in canada and you're selling a health uh, like a, a healthcare or a med tech product you have different requirements in each province it's kind of a bit of a hot mess and you know how each province manages that and then you go down the states you've got the hipaa compliance uh, equation if you're going into europe um you know gdpr has coverage uh, when it comes to um, you know, healthcare and, and cost that is a certain degree of of, of uh, PII, and you know every every place in the world is kind of has their own flavor, right? There's a lot of shared principles and best practices there, but you know, you want to be able to have one program. Like you're a SaaS company, you can't have like a compliance department, and you can't have five no. different technologies that you know manage different subsets of controls. That's just like that becomes like heavily you know, very red tape so that consolidation and, and understanding you know again it coming it all comes back to risk and and most of the standards and frameworks and a lot of the regulations comes back to risk like you need to understand your risk given you need to have a risk management platform you know in place in the business and that can help you understand like the things you need to do well and the things you may be able to get by without doing or can do it at a much lighter intensity and you can validate that through you know, understanding and practical, you know, correction of actual risks. Gotcha. And so Darren, if uh, any of our, our listeners who are uh, uh, tuning in right now, if they wanted to, you know, find your your company online or or reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. I mean, if you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, I, I, I'm on there. I'm checking it at least once every day or two. So if anybody has any reason they want to hit me up, uh, hit me up there and I'll get back to you within a day or two. And then, you know, if you're more interested in learning more about the company, just go to carbidesecure.com. Um, and there's tons of information about what we do there. Amazing. Well, Darren, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, thanks for sharing kind of some of your perspective on uh, security first or as an afterthought. Uh, I think it's a, a great healthy debate that will continue much more uh, into the future, probably never stop. But uh uh, good, good, uh, good recommendations and thoughts and perspectives from you, Richard, today. So thank you again for your time. 
We'll be cheering you along uh, the sidelines uh, on your next round of growth as you scale and, and keep on building the company. Awesome. I appreciate it.